Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 320. Albert, you know what I told the doctor when he told me I hurt my knee? What's that, Julius? Doctor, you're pulling my leg. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You should stop seeing that, Dr. Julius. Possibly. Possibly. Especially (laughs) since the problem was actually on my hand. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you recall, listeners, but Julius did sprain uh, his wrist uh, about a month ago at this point, I guess, right? Uh, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he you haven't seen it, but he's been wearing a brace in his wrist, so he can't use his hand too much, unfortunately. Yep. Says it's starting to feel better, but it's still hard to shuffle. So, so today we have a popular mechanics uh, sprained wrists. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's quite the popular mechanic trend we're talking about. It's more that yeah, that's more of an unpopular mechanic too, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> but more the idea I was looking for is I, I've been struggling to find games on my shelves that I could easily play without having to shuffle cards that Mm -hmm. cards appear in so many games it really starts Mm -hmm. like you know you pull out a dice game and there's still a deck of cards and it was really hard for me to find games that didn't have cards and i felt this might be take worth taking a little bit of a further look into to figure out what games manage to not use cards and perhaps do it with interesting mechanics yeah okay so and so, and just so so folks that are new, this is a popular mechanics episode. So it's every five episodes we do this, and we each bring three games to the table that we mention that that fit that category. And I'm kind of concerned there's going to be an overlap because I was the one that set this topic, and it was relatively hard to find. It was hard to find, but I I think we're fine. I think we're fine actually. Let me start. My first game does have a little bit of shuffling. It's against the rules. The whole point was so you didn't have to shuffle. Tiniest bit. And it's only at the beginning and you're shuffling really big tiles. I'm talking about ex- Escape, the Curse of the Temple. Ooh. Right? This is, And it's a it's a timed game that, that Julius likes these kind of games. But th- it's pretty good, right? So at the beginning of the game, you've got these large tiles. You have to shuffle up and get... Well, if you're using just the base game, you don't have any shuffling. Well, I mean, you still have to shuffle up the tiles. And it's it's minimal. Once you've done that, you are done shuffling. And it's a time game, and you're rolling dice nonstop. You're only supposed to use one hand. So this is actually perfect for somebody with a sprained wrist. They can't use their other hand. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, sometimes it's supposed to, you're supposed to put your arm up in, by your forehead and do things like that. But, yeah, it it's a really fun game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a time game, which is a bonus. And the minimal shuffling of just tiles and not cards at the beginning of the game. And, and then yeah. you get to play. So I think this this would be a fun one. I did count having to shuffle tiles as not included in this restriction because you can really shuffle them all out and mix them all up, and that mm-hmm. works well enough. It doesn't. It it's not the same as using cards. It's not the same as shuffling cards. It's something I can do. So I think it counts, and I think that it makes a good use of it. So I think that was a good find. Oh, okay. And and maybe not so much with this one. If you're doing tiles, you could always put them in a bag and mix them up that way, right? And that, that kind of works pretty well. That might still be a little bit tricky with one hand being injured, but yeah, it's, it's an alternative. Or yeah. throw them in a box and just sort of mix them up in the box. You don't even have to shuffle it in that case. I wanted to throw out there from my first pick, though, one that required 
no shuffling at all. I I was unable to maintain this rule the entire time for my selections, mm-hmm. but I wanted to throw out the first one that I that had absolutely no shuffling at all, none whatsoever. And that one is the search for planet X. Now, this the search for planet X is a deduction style game where you are astronomers on Earth searching space for planet X using different rules that are going to be provided. So this is an app required game. Um, Technically not required, but for a solo player, it's an app required game. So it is an app required game where you are, you have a giant board in front of you with different tokens and for you, different colors. And the game feeds you a certain set of rules to start off with. So for instance, it'll say that, Comets, all gases, com- all gases bodies must be next to comets, for example, or all planet X's must be next to the other dwarf planets. So it feeds you a set of rules, and then you have to go and investigate. You can search the skies for specific bodies, or search a single sky for exactly what is there. You can go and ask the game to give you some other special rules and all sorts of things like that. So this one has absolutely no shuffling. It just has a little bit of writing. Now, technically, the writing is harder right now because I'm having to use my left hand. But it's for now, it's clear enough that I can read it long enough to play the game. I probably wouldn't be able to read it the next day when I have to read it and not remember (laughs) what it says. But it's clear enough that I can play the game. So the Search Linux has absolutely no cards. Now then. One comment I will make, and we haven't yet had a chance to review it, but Search for Planet X has had a sequel, Search for the uh, Search for the Lost Species. Search for the Lost Species ah, yeah. is a similar deduction style game where instead of trying to find Planet X in, in space, you are on an island and you are moving around that island trying to find the lost species. And there's four different lost species in the box, each with their own special rules. And then the game gives you some other additional rules about how to do things. It works similarly the same way. You're on the island, you move around the island, as opposed to Earth just moving around in a consistent fashion. You actually move around the island, hunting and looking for species. You can search for specific rules or search for specific species on a spot. Similar type of deduction mechanics, except that in this one, there's these villages that have been added to the game. And you can go to the village and recruit a helper. And the helpers will do special things like give you one-time action bonuses or reveal some information or all sorts of different things. I do believe, in my opinion so far, that the Lost Species game is superior to Planet X. Hmm. I think that being able to move around the board more freely is more enticing for me when I think I have an idea in an area, I can focus on that rather than time having to move by me and now having to maintain a different line of thought and remember that when it gets back around to it, I need to finish what it was that I was doing before. So with this one, I'm not forced to move like I am around the planet board and and lost species. I get to choose where I want to move around, and I like that ability. But it has a deck, and that deck has to be shuffled because the companions are an actual deck so unfortunately, it had to get dropped from the running, and that meant Search for Planet X had to come in. Now, Search for Planet X is still very, very good. I really still enjoy it. I'm not letting either one of them go, but I just simply wanted to point out that discussion point. 
Mm, okay. Yeah, I, I, I'd heard of that one, but I hadn't seen it. But the, the Search for Planet X, that's a good idea, too. And Seduction Game, that's that's always fun. I agree. Apps are so-so, but yep. Yeah, but well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had yeah. to do something. What are you going to do? You got a broken arm, arm, or not broken arm, but a sprained arm. And it's your it's your main arm, too, huh? So, you, so you're, you're using your offhand primarily now. That's tough. And correct, yes. I'd wondered about that. wasn't sure which arm you'd broken. I couldn't remember. I keep saying broken, sprained. It, it is the right and it's sprained. Okay. It's not a brace, but yes. I don't think that affects any of my choices. It almost did. My next game is a bigger game, I think. It's a Fields of Arl by Uwe Rosenberg. Right, It's a nice big worker placement game. Now, again, I am cheating slightly. This game does have shuffling of tiles at the beginning only. And not very much. There's there's three stacks of tiles. You're going to lay out two of five. You're going to lay out four of seven. And you're going to lay out three of six. So each time there's three tiles you don't use. So you have tiny, tiny shuffling in this one. Tiny tiles, tiny number of tiles. It'd be super easy to do with one hand. Sure. Once you have it all set up, and it is a lot of components, so you still might be a little uncomfortable to set it up. Once you've set it up, you're going to play through the whole game with no randomness whatsoever of any kind. Other than those little bit with the tiles. Now this is it's a worker placement game. There's no randomness once you're playing, just other than the setup tiles. But there are a lot of different paths to victory and a lot of ways to get victory points. So this is a a game that could you could play a lot and you spend a lot of time thinking about your actions and planning your actions. It's it's pretty heavy thinking game. So <laughs> so it's a lot of opportunity to just sit still and not move any wrists. <laughs> Uh, I suppose that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's it's a fun game. I don't know if that's quite what we're looking for, but yeah, that that is true. Well, uh, okay, then I might be in trouble. The um, but yes, and it's a really fun game actually. This this is a really good Uwe Rosenberg game. I thought I was not going to like it because there's no randomness when you play, but again, it is so complex that it ends up not really being an issue. Um, yeah, you can choose different strategies because it's a bigger yeah. game. It's exactly. There's a lot of different strategies and different paths to win. It's it's almost a pointsality type of thing, kind of almost. This is one I've actually not had an opportunity to play, um, but I had on my backup list a different, smaller Uwe Rosenberg game, which was Caverna hmm. Cave versus Cave, which similarly has just a bunch of tiles that you shuffle up, and then you have your own small little cave of those tiles that you were using the ability row drafting and filling in with your cave with those different cave decoration cave room types and you'll use those to build up a couple resources and then you use to turn those resources into gold and try to have the most points which is gold plus your room values at the end of the game by doing all that but similarly it it's it's a very smaller version i mean it, it's mm-hmm. technically a smaller version of caverna but Caverna, yeah. Fields of All, Agricola, those are all very similarly feeling, I think, farming Uwe Rosenberg games. And so mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like a smaller brother to Fields of All. Yeah. What, what I do like about Fields of All is that it is a, it, since it's a bigger game and it's longer, it, it, you could play it for about 45 minutes, right? Where, like, say, Escape, 10 minutes, you're done in 10 minutes, and now you got to do that little bit of shuffling again. That's bad on the wrist. So at least this one gives you a longer extended pair without without shuffling. I was thinking that might that might help. I suppose that's true, but I also normally take like forty minutes to play Cave and Cave. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> I, I, think I didn't so. keep that game. I don't remember how long it was taking me now. 
Oh, I've kept that game. I've even got the expansion hmm, okay. to it. So that was your that was your third second game already. That was We're my, going very fast. Well, no, that was that was the one that I was rejecting. Oh, that was an addendum to my Fields of Harl. Yes, that was just okay. me throwing in there from Fields of Harl. That was my that was a sneaky bonus. Mister, I can't uh, think of any games because they're hard to find. Well, <laughs> I did think I was concerned that there were, that you were just going to take all of mine because I had a lot of difficulty finding ones. So I made yeah. sure to pull some backups just in case. I did not pull out backups, but I could have probably won it. Won it. <laughs> Winged it. <laughs> anyway, nice. So what is what is, what is your second game? Well, my second game, I went and pulled in the solo, the pure solo collection for Nautilion. So mm-hmm. Nautilion has no cards, has set up, has tiles that you will randomize, small, tiny little tiles that you will randomize at the start of the game and lay out in any sort of consecutive pattern of line that you wish, so wavy line, whatever it is. Um, it has a card, which is a reference thing. If you're playing with one of the expansions, it has a set of cards. But like, you don't, don't play with that one. But it's mostly just these dice. You'll have three dice that you will roll, and then you have to allocate the dice. Two dice are allocated to the bad guys. One can potentially steal some of your, your tiles. One... Uh, is the boat, the bad boat that is trying to race you to the end. And then you only get to use one die for you, and you are trying to race to your end, which is their beginning, picking up enough of the workers along the way to be able to man your boat fully so that you can take over the bad island when you get there. Um, It's a roll-and-move-ish game, but it's a roll-and-move because there's decisions because you're actually rolling three and having to allocate those ones to the different slots. And then you'll be able to use some spells if you pick up spell points along the way to be able to change what your die values are or change where what the layout of the characters are. It is in the Oniverse realm, if we didn't say that, so it has mm-hmm. all the flair and polish of the other Oniverse games. Uh, and as well as having all sorts of expansions and different uh, difficulty boats that you can have in there. But most importantly, it's just dice rolling. There's no cards at all. It's wonderful. <laughs> dice rolling we can do. That That's a good one. I did think of including an Oniverse game too. I thought about including the um, Castilian. I thought about including Castilian because that one, well, again, you're shuffling tiles, but I throw them in a bag so I don't shuffle them. Um and other than that, there, there's no nothing to mix up. And I, I like that one better, personally. So. Well, I agree to disagree. <laughs> yeah. Most of the Universal definitely has shuffling. A lot of shuffling. Yes. Yes. Most of it shuffles endlessly. That's why Oni Rim is not on my shelf anymore. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, that's a good one. Yeah. That's, that's a, such a fun game, and it's nice and compact. That's a neat game to pull out. But that was my second with a nice addendum from you also. I think we're just going to have a whole bunch of addendums today. Yeah, I could I could find more games. My third <laughs> game, um I I'm going to I'm going to give you an RPG. A solo RPG cuz that's the sort of thing I do here. Now, this one I was worried about you having issues with writing. So a lot of these games are journaling and writing is hard. And I said, "Well, you know, there's a lot of games where they actually suggest recording your voice especially the sci-fi games you know it feels more thematic if you're doing voice recording but i didn't even go there i got something called top 10 games you can play in your head by yourself it is a book with 10 games (laughs) where you are sitting down with your eyes closed imagining everything (laughs) nothing moves 
<laughs> oh my god! Other Albert than maybe York. the pages Albert of the York book is killing as, as me. No, it's actually it's actually really interesting. It's a it's a collection of 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 creative thinking ideas. Like the introduction one is very simple. You walk in, you're walking along a field, and you reach a building. It's your home, and you split from your shadow. You go into the building, and now it tells you look around, look around every room, look at all the objects, and figure out everything that's in there, and just think about each thing, and go around the whole place. Then come back out. So you spend your whole time just visualizing the place and thinking of all the specific items. Then your shadow goes in and your shadow rearranges everything and takes one item back out. And now you go back into the room a third time and put everything back in order. Now, I know it sounds weird and it's kind of weird, but when you start imagining your mind and you follow the process, it's surprisingly easy to remember all the details and, and go to each corner of the room and think about it. Right? That's the first game. The introductory game. It's not even the first of 10. The next one is more of an Indiana Jones adventure now. Now they start getting more serious. And you make a character. It gives you prompts. So you think about your character and what their needs are. And you come all these steps, things gradually. Then you interact with other people. And it gives you choices of types of people to meet, types of uh, temples you're trying to discover, and, and all this. And you set it all up very gradually, all in your mind. And then you kind of go into the dungeon and have that adventure at the end. And... It it is it is interesting. It's really interesting, and it seems surprisingly cool. I haven't played farther than the introduction. It's a little hard, honestly. The idea of sitting still for for five minutes is hard for me. But yeah. if your wrist is broken and you can't do anything else, well, there you go. I could do plenty of things that are more fun than <laughs> sitting there with my eyes closed trying to imagine a room. I'm pretending you're asleep. It it's actually pretty neat. It really is. And there, there's ten different adventures, and they're all very different. There's the Indiana Jones one. There's one with space aliens there's one where you're a truck driver and you're delivering cargo across the country and upgrading your truck and visiting different locations and keeping track of all the costs in your head and whatnot so it's just really really diverse so that is the perfect game for a person who has no use of their primary arm the top 10 games you can play in your head by yourself that's not a, that's, <laughs> it's really the perfect a... game it's perfect no no Albert that's not a game (laughs) sitting there with your eyes closed you can't play a game that's like you're just doing imagination yeah it's a role playing game like D&D is just imagination right with dice there's imagination without dice a fair amount of rules and I don't know like there's rules in this too it's like 200 pages of rules in that book so there you go. You can't read it with it's, your it's, eyes closed. No, that's, that's the one thing that I find strange. You got to read it and then put it down and then think about it and then pick it up and put it down. And as you get, I guess you get, as you get better at it, then you kind of just know what to do each time. I wonder how much repeatability it is because at least the first scenario is pretty limited in the suggestions and how to go about it. But it's it's like a journaling role playing game. Every time you do it, you know, you just do something different and you get, end up with a different story. Albert, you, you it's know got an this... interesting backstory, though. The apparently, the the people that published it, the the editors found these books in an old thrift or a garage sale or something, and thought they're really curious, and they put them together and published a top ten. And that's a story. I don't think that's real. It sounds kind of made up, honestly. I but, and... I sure hope that the inspiration for a board game isn't, "Hey, we found a random book at a random garage sale." <laughs> Well, and so they found the book and then they republished it because some some guy, Bartho- what's his name? 
Theophrastus Bartholomew wrote this book and hadn't published it in the 90s or something like that. that, that but I, I don't think that's a true story. That can't be true. <laughs> I think the editors were, were scared to take credit for it. <laughs> Albert, you know what this you know what this recommendation feels like? Huh? Adding insult to injury. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so do you, do you have a third game you could play? I feel like I have to make two recommendations to make up for that one. <laughs> I could give you a backup. How about Ingenious? I'll, I'll take edition. a backup. I'll take a backup after mine. Okay. <laughs> Let me do one and then you can redeem yourself. How about? Okay. So my <laughs> last one, um, I decided that I rather than doing another one where you're shuffling tiles, um, something like a Cascadia where you still have to shuffle tiles, and rather than doing another one with a bunch of writing, uh, like in uh, like in dungeon pages, I wanted to continue to focus on dice because that felt the most friendly. And the the best dice only game on my shelf is Under Falling Skies. So this is mm-hmm. an excellent campaign ish style game. It doesn't have to be campaign, but I feel like it's best done in campaign. But Under Falling Skies, there is this mothership that is dropping these little plastic ships on a city and you have multiple cities that you can choose from and all of them have different powers and different configurations for their bases. And your goal is to make sure that you have fully researched the solution to the problem of whatever it is so that you can, if you fully researched it before your city blows up, you can use whatever that genetic solution the scientists make to win the game and drive off the mothership. If the mothership manages to drive her spaceships into your city too many times, you'll reduce health each time she does that. If you go all the way to zero, then you die. Or if the motherships reach all the way to your city, your city blows up and you die. You want to avoid those two fates. The way you do that is by rolling dice. There's three gray dice and two white dice, and you'll roll those every round, and then you'll put them on different slots on your board. Now, there's this little rover this digger tool that you can also spend your die to move the digger tool down and as you move the digger tool down it'll open up new spaces on your board for you able to do sometimes different but usually just better things so better electricity generation better science generation better ways of using your guns to shoot down ships in the sky things like that so you'll assign the dice. The trick of it is, though, every time you assign a die, every ship in that column goes down by that number. So if you're using a really powerful six to you know, research a whole bunch of genetic material, you're going to be driving all the ships in that row down by six. So you want to deftly manipulate which ships you're blowing up when to be able to clear out rows, to be able to use those big numbers well, to be able to move stuff around and do cool, fun stuff to make it all combo wells so that you manage to succeed in your dice placement and not blow up. The game comes with a campaign version where you can play, I think it's six scenarios, I think. Um, but you play over a multiple campaign and each time it unlocks more complicated cities um, with some additional elements like you're building robots or, or cool rules or special rule set for different things. So you can play with a campaign. Once you finish the campaign, you can just roll up a random one using all the campaign materials or put them all back and run again. All sorts of different things that you can use to approach it. 
So I really enjoy the dice placement in it, the puzzle of being able to figure out how do how do I either absorb the hits to just deal with it, or how do I make sure that I'm using rows where the ships are high enough up, high enough up, so I don't worry about it, or even that I'm specifically placing them in the slots where I can blow them up. Uh, how do I make sure that I'm spending enough time on the digger to have access to the more powerful spaces without wasting too much time on the digger? Because dice spent on the diggers, dice wasted from doing actions and potentially, you know, curing the plague or blowing up ships. You have to balance when you wanted to do the digger and when you don't. And there's also some difficulty about, you know, different types of ships. Like there are white ships that have special rules in many of the different special rules throughout the campaign. So I'll be careful when you blow up a white ship, when it's better to blow up a white ship, when sometimes it's better to leave the white ship. So all sorts of different things come into play with it. And the, just this core dice mechanic, placing those and getting free rerolls sometimes, it's a very fun mechanic. I really enjoy this one. Got a lot of depth to it in the box. Mm-hmm. That is a really good choice, yeah. So that is Under Falling Skies. I like that one. I like that one a lot. That that's a keeper of a game for sure. Yeah, it's it's on my block. It's on my shelf. It's not leaving. Nice. I keep trying to 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 thin down my shelves, but it is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah, we actually had a board game sale local that was a trade type thing local that was good for helping me thin down some stock. So you want some alternatives, Julius? I, I just want you to make up for your third one. That was just that was just <laughs> it was not such doing a good it for choice, me. Honestly, I'm sorry. You're yeah. I'm sorry. Your wrist is not that that damaged. I guess. How about Ricochet Robots for a puzzle game? It's a it's an older game at this point, and it is really for one to ninety nine players sort of game in the box. It is a game where you're gonna you have a board that's a bunch of spaces on a square grid. It's probably like something like twenty by twenty. And in throughout the board in the middle, there's different walls and you have four robots. The way robots move is they just, you pick a robot and it moves until it has to hit, hits an obstacle and then it stops. And then it could travel in a different direction. Um, obstacles are walls, the edges or are the robots. Then as you're playing and when you play solo, what you do is you just flip over a little tile, there's a little tile and it'll tell you, and I have a picture on it somewhere in the board. There's a space with that picture. Um, it'll be it'll be a color and a symbol. You now need to get the robot of that color to that space, and the goal is just to do it in as few moves as possible. So in a way, it's more of a puzzle. There's a timer mechanism to it, so you could do the timer, but I think that's that aspect is more for multiplayer. Solo, it's just a puzzle activity where you're trying to figure out how to get the robot to the end as quick as possible. The robots. Robots, yes. Well, you're trying to get one robot to the, that space, and then the next round, you're trying to get the next robot to the another another robot to space, or maybe the same one. It just depends. This is a and the really goal is just old to, game. It is pretty old, isn't it? What is it from the '90s or something? Yeah, yeah, '99. This this is fun. I've pulled this out once in a while. I played it like six months ago again. Um, and I've done really? puzzles on BGG, like in the One Player Guild. I set up a puzzle once for it, where people just try to find the best solution. And there's online versions of this. So this, this is a pretty, it's a pretty good game. Surprisingly fun, and it really does work with crowds. Though I will say it's not great for everybody. Certain kind of people are going to gravitate to it, and others will just hate it. And like I played with my son, he struggled to really see the movements for some reason, and I could spot him very quickly. And it wasn't like a lot more experience or anything. It was just I don't know. 
some people just are better thinking that way than others, I guess. So hmm. it really is group dependent for multiplayer, but solo doesn't matter. Just you, you know, you could play as well as you want or as bad as you want, and that's just fine. Yeah, this is not one that I'm very familiar with. It could be because of the age. This is just not one that's yeah pumped up for <laughs> it me. It is older. Mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised that you still have a copy of that one. Yeah, that that's one that would keep. Huh. I had other thoughts. I had dexterity one dexterity game in there. I had a couple other puzzly games and and whatnot. So lots of stuff to to keep you entertained, Julius, and not get bored. I appreciate it. And that's <laughs> that one is purely puzzle. You're saying though, it's, it's not you. You can't lose unless you just sit there not figuring out how to how to win. Yeah the the solo game doesn't have any rules for winning or losing. It's just a puzzle. Um, I mean, I guess you could figure something out on your own. There is a sand timer, so you could you could say you have to find a solution with a sand timer, and maybe you set yourself a go that you you have to find a solution with less than ten moves before the time runs out for more than half the paces or something like that. I don't know. You'd have to come up with something that works for you. But otherwise, it's just it's just a nice puzzle to play, a, a leisure, cozy puzzle sort of thing, I guess. Maybe I'll pull it out after this episode as a matter of fact huh well that one works that i feel like that made up for it <laughs> all right it's a shame because the the top 10 games you can play in, in your head by yourself is actually an excellent choice <laughs> and has an awesome uh, i don't believe you try it you know just had to try it <laughs> my wrist is not that hurt um, albert julius says I think I think if you keep giving me these kind of recommendations, you're gonna hurt me really bad. You know how you know where I go when you get hurt really bad. No. Well, if you Hospital? if you make me get hurt with my eyes closed, I'll have to go to the ICU. I. <laughs> that's a, yeah, and that's a wrap, folks. <laughs> we can't top that one. Have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.